This week on another stellar episode of On Taking Pictures. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Bill gets yelled at, and Jeffrey <laughs> is old. <laughs> Happy Tuesday, everyone. Uh, it is it is it is a lovely morning. How about how about you, Bill? Lovely morning in New York City. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside. Although I have not been outside yet because uh, I woke up with a headache and I'm trying to battle that out with a few punches. Well, we'll see what we can do. Maybe this is uh, sumatriptan. What 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 sumatriptan? Okay, it's uh, Imitrex drugs. All right. Well. We'll see what we can do. Uh, it is a new episode of On Taking Pictures. We're here each and every week. We're talking about photography. We're talking about the art and science of making images. Sometimes we get a little opinionated. Well, Bill does. Bill gets a little opinionated. You get opinionated, too. <laughs> Don't <laughs> drop it all on me. <laughs> uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com. With me, uh, apparently the uh, Imatrexed up fancy photographer, Bill Wadman. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you? Uh, I'm doing really well. Uh, all right, let's 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 get this out of the way. Um, Bill has has made a purchase. Yeah, I bought a camera. Bill bought a camera, and yeah. Bill, Bill, tell the listeners what kind of camera did you buy? I bought a Fuji. <laughs> um, yeah, I got my Fuji X100s yesterday. Yeah. And I have and? some. I have some initial thoughts. You want me to run through my initial thoughts? I, th- I think you should. First of all, uh, the the opinions of Bill in no way represent the opinions of the show. <laughs> These are the my views ex- <laughs> the views expressed by Bill Wadman in no way constitute the yeah. Uh, <clears throat> um, okay, so what do what, what do I like about it? Um, it's I like dead sexy. It is it? dead sexy. I like the tactile feel. Uh, I like the overall size, although I think it could be a little heavier. Like it's a little light to where when it's in your hand and you're hand holding it almost, I don't know. I, I want it to be a tiny bit heavier. Um, maybe I can get that case and like, just put like a screw a couple uh, quarters onto the bottom of it or something. Uh, that's all, that's all fine. The battery life again, isn't great. Even the battery I played with last night. I didn't. I only took like fifty pictures, but I was chimping a lot and playing with the menus a lot, and it was starting to die this morning when I was playing with it. Um, it the uh, the the white balance is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, the auto, <clears throat> yeah, the auto white balance. Okay. Um, I've kind of come to the conclusion that I will end up using this camera in manual focus mode and then use the uh, auto the AFL. And the A E L, like the focus lock button to right. focus. Like you can, if it's a manual focus, you can still use that focus lock button to tell it to focus. Sure. Because doing the half press thing, it, it, it takes a little too long. So if you're trying to capture something really fast that you think yes. you're already focused on, it hunts a little bit before it takes the picture, which is no good. Yeah. Uh, um, that's exactly the way I use my X pro is, is the A E L A F L button. And then have it, keep it in manual. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's not just me. Well, um, you've got you've got peaking too. The X one hundred S has peaking. It as does well. peaking, and it does that split screen thing, which is right. also cool. And it zooms in on the little section that you're doing the split stuff on. Right. Um, one Although, thing I, uh, note to Fuji, white probably not the best peaking color. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. If you're anything sort of bright. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I don't kind of like is the fact that um, okay, you can have the menu show up inside the viewfinder. Yes. That's weird to me. 
And I mean, and, and I understand why they do it because sometimes you just don't want to take your your face away from the camera at all. But it makes it sort of hard because I don't want the screen on the back to keep lighting up. I want to keep that screen off. But then if I go into the menu, I don't want it to show me review stuff. Like show me the pictures after I take them, you know, unless I ask for it. Right. Um, well, you could turn that off. I did. I do. I did turn that off. But if you then want to like go into the menus, uh, it like it somehow the menu thing like stays open or stays on. Maybe that's just when I hit the view mode thing. It's just it's a little weird. And then looking into the viewfinder, it seems like it changes to between optical and uh, electronic when I don't want it to. Like sometimes when I turn it back on, it's back to electronic or something. Hmm. And it's like I want it to default to one or the other. Um, it's It takes a little getting used to, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't like the fact that, okay, even in optical mode, the the uh you know the 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 all the information in the optical viewfinder is in there basically using the evf's screen just not closed off in the back does that make sense right like, it's just right. it's a, just a hud right to the overlay but right. the parts that are black sort of the parts that you shouldn't see anything you can still see like a ghosting around the whole thing mm. does that make sense so like if, uh, if I've never I've never looked through one. Okay, and I don't if, know if you turn if you turn the camera off and you look through the optical viewfinder, you see a certain thing. If you turn the camera on and all the heads up display comes up, it sort of washes out the whole picture a little bit because the parts of the screen that aren't giving anything still a little backlight seeping through, so it sort of washes the whole thing out just a scooch. Hmm. Um, it's fine. It's good. It's not quite as responsive as I want it to be. Like I feel like uh, even turning it on, or you you press the sh- you you know touch the shutter button to get it going, and there's lots of little like the lens keeps doing stuff, even though it's like, wait, what are you doing? You don't need to do anything. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, like there's this weird sort of shutter in front of the lens that opens and closes depending on what you're hit. It's I don't know. It's just a little. It's a little odd, and maybe it's just me getting my quirks out or getting used to it. Um, I agree with a lot of what. Strobus, David Hobby, and and Zacharias have said about it. Um, I don't think that it feels quite like a Leica. Like they 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 said, I was listening to the Hobby thing, and he's like, "This is more Leica than Leica's digital stuff," and I don't agree with that. Okay, because Leica's digital stuff would have a lot less buttons and knobs and weird ways of doing it. I don't like the wheel on the back, the way it feels. It's like too fast. Like it's too easy to to move stuff. Left the and right. EV compensation. Uh, no, the, the, like, uh, the, the, the eight way. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking okay. about? Like how yeah, it, yeah. it spins too. It spins too easily. So when you're just trying to like click through things, you end up like changing settings. Mm. Uh, cause you, sometimes when you push the button, it moves the wheel too, or you're trying to push a button in one direction and it moves the wheel. Um, so I'm, I'm still working with it, but, uh, it's, it's really nice for what it is. I'm going to take it out today and shoot with it, uh, in the daytime. Cause I just played with it like in the subway last night. Yeah, good. Uh, it totally nailed the. Uh, um, there were some uh, backlit ads in the subway, and I took a picture, and it totally nailed the white balance. Like it hmm. looked exactly like it looked. And and as a Canon user, Canon auto white balance is notoriously bad. Oh, really? Yeah. It's hmm. like you know when you hit tungsten, it still looks like you didn't actually. It it doesn't set it to tungsten when it sees tungsten light. It keeps it warm. Hmm. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll let you know more as I use it. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's little. Yeah. Smaller than I... Ideally, uh, my camera would be 
20% heavier and 20% bigger if I was going to like have my ideal camera like this. But it's uh but it's nice. We'll see. Yeah, I'm 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 excited to see what you come up with. Hey, uh uh we have a lot to talk about today. A lot. Another big show. You know, every single week <laughs> I think to myself, we got nothing else to talk about. <laughs> I know. And invariably by Tuesday morning, there's a bunch of stuff to talk about. There's a bunch of stuff, whether it's emails or, or things that people are doing in the community or, or news that sparks some sort of discussion or yeah, yeah, there, yeah. or just something we, we kind of want to revisit. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Um, so I, I was I was thinking the other day, I, I've had a I've had a couple uh, a bunch of interactions in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. from younger photographers trying to make it in the business um, to uh, older people talking about their stories of how they got into the business in the first place. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of that. um, Here's the thing, Alec Baldwin Mm -hmm. um, podcast. And I've realized that, that all of these sort of arts businesses and, and success in life in general sort of requires older people to help younger people at some point, you know, the people who are established to look down and go, you know, I was there. I'm going to give you a hand, mm-hmm. you know, in, in whatever way I'll give you a break. I'm going to show you the ropes. I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Right. With, with a dash of luck thrown in. Yeah. Right. You know, I was, <laughs> I watched the beginning of, uh, there was an Eagles documentary on Showtime. Wait, Eagles, like the, the band. Okay. There's like a three-hour documentary on the Eagles that was on Showtime that I started watching part of oh, last night. Painful. Oh, it was fascinating. Really? Yeah. Huh. And they were, they were, you know what, like their music, don't like their music. When you see them playing live, you're like, wow, those guys are really good. Like, they hmm. were tight. Um, and, but they were just like, uh, Glenn Fry was like, oh, yeah, you know, and then I met uh, Bob Seger. And then Bob Seger let me come into the studio with them. And then he let me play acoustic guitar on this one song that ended up being a hit. And then, you know what I mean? It was like this, it was this, you know, had he never met Bob Seger, he probably would have never gotten anywhere, you know, uh, just by, by pure dumb luck. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, uh, Don Henley was in a band and Kenny Rogers was coming through town and he went up to Kenny Rogers after a show and said, you know, Mr. Rogers, uh, my name is Don Henley. Um, I'm in this band and we're playing tomorrow night and I really think you should come. I, I'd like to invite you to come see us. And Kenny Rogers was like, kid, I don't come to see people, you know, at shows when they, you know what I mean? Like I can't right. do that. And he was just like, I understand, but I think you really like us. And so he, Kenny Rogers goes to the show, likes them and decides to produce their record and move them out to LA. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like things yeah. that, that like one chance encounter and, Kenny Rogers took the leap. Right. You know? Well, it, it, uh, you, you brought up, here's the thing, that the episode with Chris Columbus where he's talking about, uh, you know, he had, he had been working at, uh, at the mill or, or, or the factory or the aluminum factory, and he had written uh, uh, Gremlins or whatever, and yeah. everybody passed on it. And uh, Steven Spielberg happened to be going home for the weekend, and it was on the top stack of, of his assistant's desk, and, and he, he saw the, the title. title. Yeah, he liked the title, took it home and read it, and and that started Chris Columbus's career. Yeah, yeah, right. So I guess my question is, 
what obligation do people at our level in the business have to the people trying to make it? And what obligation? Am I at a level? (laughs) Well, you're talking to thousands of people right now. Okay. I think I think you're you're further along than some guy out in the middle of nowhere who you know is the only photographer he knows and right right you know um, what obligation do we have to other people? I I think the idea of uh, mentorship apprenticeship uh, is something that has been by and large lost. That's and that's it, the discussion is, I wanted to have. Yeah, it's it's an I think it's an incredibly valuable system to have in place. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's it, it, we've become a a a nation or a, a world of tiny islands and I think learning from someone is just as valuable to the to the learner as it is to the person who has taken that person under their wing to teach them agreed but why has it gone away hmm i don't know do you do you think that the, the internet for all of the community that it creates has dispersed interests to the point where it's not like oh hey kid i'm gonna meet this one kid and i'm gonna take him under my wing and it becomes a hundred kids trying to get under your wing and it's like well i'm just not gonna do anything because i'm overwhelmed there, there might be some of that, but I think, I think it goes beyond the internet. I think, I think the idea of apprenticeship is, I don't know. It's, it's somehow because there's less, there's less, less jobs, crafts, art in this world that involves hands-on work where you're actually learning something from someone who's been doing it longer. Uh, I would say in in the United States, yes, we don't we don't make a lot. I mean, now there there is, I uh, I've seen over the last several years there's there's a not a renaissance, but uh, resurgence. I guess yeah, there's a resurgence of handmade goods of 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 craft built products, and there are a number of people and companies doing uh, some really interesting things on an individual level or. Or oh, what's what's the company? I think the, I think the word you're looking for is bespoke. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what's the company come in Detroit? Shinola, uh, Shinola, okay. uh, doing really nice design, really nice hand built products, and they're doing like watches and bicycles and 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 it's just it's really nice stuff, and and they're they're. They're marking these things with, you know, sort of handmade in Detroit, you know, yeah, sure. where, where making something by hand is valuable again, or it's becoming valuable again. Yep. And uh, I'm hoping that, that that translates into this idea of apprenticeship coming back around. You know, if you wanted to be a, a, a welder or something, you, you didn't go to school, you, you know, started at a welding shop and you started cleaning up and you started, you know, you watched and you learned. And I guess it's maybe the same with, with like tattoo artists, you know, that's, that's an, that's an art where there, there's apprenticeship and you learn from, from 
people who are doing it and doing it well. I don't know. I understand. Well, here, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. You have talked about professors of yours who have made a difference in your life. Yes. Uh, Ken Kennison. Yeah. And, and in what way? Um, several ways. If we're talking about him specifically, sure. Ken Kennison was, was, uh, my English teacher in high school for two semesters, uh, world lit and short fiction. And he was very eccentric, uh, taught because he loved it, not because he had to, was worth millions and inherited a bunch of money and, and just had a passion for teaching. Um, we spent, you know, six weeks on A Tale of Two Cities. And I still have the copy of the book. It's got, you know, highlighting and foreshadowing and notes in the margins. And uh, he could never find a, a volume that, that contained the stories that he wanted. So he, he would hand type stories that he thought everyone should know. And he had them cataloged in boxes all over his classroom. And he just, he just cared. And he, and he, and he taught me about humanity and taught me about narrative and taught me about how both of those things, when they, when they meet in just the right way, you know, not to be too dramatic, but magic happens. Yeah. And there have been, you know, really only a handful of authors that have, that have made that happen. Um, but there was a, there was a, There was an idea of wanting his students to be better, not just wanting them to learn the material. Yeah. Wanting them to be better people. Yeah. And, and, and to pass the torch to them so they could pass it to the next generation. Yes. And I, I've never forgotten that, the, the classes that I had with him. He sent me Christmas cards every year until the year he died. Um, it was, he was just a good person. He was a really good person. And I learned a lot. I think that a good mentor also um, gives you a vision of who you could be in the sense that this person, you know, the proverbial road that we talk about all the time, Mm -hmm. this person's further along the road and look, they, they, they are a goal that I could, where they are is a goal that I can attain because I've seen people attain it. Absolutely. Sort of in the, in the way that, uh, you know, Tony Hawk, in that Bones Brigade documentary was just like, you know, learning a trick once somebody else has done it is so much easier mm-hmm. than coming up with a trick yourself because you know it can be done. Right. You know, like that mental leap of, oh, you know, McGill did a 540. Okay, well, then it can be done. And now I just got to figure out how he did it. Yeah. Um, and I think that in some ways finding people who are further along the road and are still thinking the way you think, especially if you had parents or family or, or friends who, who, where you felt like an outsider. And then there's an adult out there who actually is sort of like, wow, you know, Mr. Johnson is not what all the other adults in my life are like. He's kind of the way I want to be when I'm his age. Right. How did he get there? You know, I had a, um, I had a piano teacher. I, I took Suzuki piano when I was a little kid. I don't know what that means. Um, Suzuki is a method of where you like listen to stuff. It's a lot of ear training kind of thing. Okay. Where like while you're going to bed, you listen to endless tapes of songs and then you learn them. 
It's okay. it, it's a Japanese thing. It's like do you, you know, not read music? It, you're, you just uh, learn by ear, or what? I mean, you end up reading music, but initially, it's they're trying to get you to learn by ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I took those lessons, and then I took lessons from um, the guy who ended up being the music teacher in my high school, uh, who was also kind of not a great piano teacher or like completely uninteresting. And my mother heard about a guy named Steve Domenko who was sort of like the guy to go to because he was more than just like a piano teacher. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't taking on any new students at the time. And apparently the, the, the story is that my mother went and sort of not begged him, but like asked him like, come on, you know, my son is something special. You should, you should come at least give, give him a chance. And Steve did. And I ended up taking lessons from, from him for four years. Now, did you, did you have to sort of audition before he took you on or how? Uh, what's no, I mean, he process? came and, and we did, we did, we, you know, had a lesson together and mm-hmm. uh, he, he saw something in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, yes, I got much better playing with Steve because I wanted to impress Steve, you know, like I, I wanted him to think that I did well, mm-hmm. you know? Um, well, that, that, that idea is something I think that's another thing that I think has been lost is, is the idea of of it's so much about yourselves or like i want facebook to say yes as opposed to one person i really respect thinking right. that it's good it, it, yeah it's this idea of sort of the, the student becoming the master yeah yeah but but it wasn't but it's funny because yes you know i i took piano lessons from him but i also learned a whole lot about life from Steve, mm-hmm. you know, Steve would tell me things that, you know, you wouldn't normally tell a 16 year old kid. Right. But it made you feel like you weren't just a kid, you know? Yes. Um, and that in itself was, and, and, and would say things like when I was your age, X, Y, Z, have you had, you know, did you feel this way or whatever? Like, yes. Okay. Well, yeah, that's normal. You know, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have that happen a lot or, or whatever it is. You know, um, and it, it was just, it's just interesting. And, and even though I haven't spoken to him in 20 years, um, almost 20 years, I, I think about the things that he said to me all the time, probably mm-hmm. like you and your teacher. Yeah. You know, well, there, there's a, the, this idea of, of mentorship, whether it's, being singled out by a, by an instructor, a professor, a teacher. There's, there's something that not only what you do feels special when you, when you, when you are taught and then given praise by those person, but you feel special. It goes, it goes beyond just the act of what you're trying to learn. Right. Yeah. You, you, you feel, you end up feeling, at least I did, like I was becoming a better person or becoming a more well-rounded person or a yes. more thoughtful person or, or what, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, but it goes beyond just learning about books or learning about piano or learning about photography. Yep. So, uh, so how do yeah. we, so do you think that so in some ways let's take, let's tighten down to photography for, mm-hmm. for a moment. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think that the the market and the photography world changing so much that it's it almost seems more doggy dog now than it has been in a long time because it's so flattened, you know, because the kid in Williamsburg who's been shooting for a year is fighting for the same job as Jay Maisel sometimes that people f- more advanced in their career are less likely to help out younger people because they're worried about just creating a new competitor. Maybe, uh, you know, I, you know, what, what can I tell a young guy trying to get noticed when I myself am trying to get noticed as everyone is, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I understand that conceptually, but I think that there's plenty of room for all of us. Okay. If someone contacted you and said, you know what? I want to start a website about art and inspiration and write about people. Like, what would you say to them? Uh, I don't know what I would say to them, but I'd be happy to help. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't know. Like people ask me and I have a really hard time giving advice because I feel like I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and, but that's, you know, I don't think I'll ever figure it out. I, I am, I am not an answers person. I'm a questions person. You know, I, I, I go back to the Rilke quote quite a bit. I, I live the questions, you know, and, and every once in a while an answer will come through, but living for the questions is much more fun. It's much more exciting. It's much more engaging. Um, when I started painting again, uh, I, I met, uh, a painter by the name of, of Father Bill Moore, who I, I may have mentioned before. Yep. And if I have, I'm, I'm sorry to repeat myself. But uh, F- Father Bill, uh, Catholic priest, uh, wonderful painter. Uh, I don't even remember how the discussion came about other than I, I went to his, uh, his studio and I, I was walking by and, and he invited me in and we had a, a, a really lovely conversation. And, and over the course of the conversation, I had, I'd said, you know, I've, I'm, I've picked up a brush and started painting again. And he said, I'd, I'd love to see what you're doing. And it wasn't uh, uh, this sort of passive, oh, hey, yeah, I'd love to see what you're doing. Uh, you know, Come by sometime, kid. Yeah. And show me your work. Yeah, it wasn't that. It was genuine. And and he said, why don't, you, why don't you bring a few pieces by? I'd love to see it. And so I did. Yeah. And, and he passed out because they were so good. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, he gave honest, constructive feedback. He, he uh, praised where he thought they worked and was honest enough to say, look, this, this, what are you trying to do here? And we had a, we had a, dis, a long discussion about intent what I was trying to do, where I was, where I saw my work going, what, what, what was the voice that I was trying to get to. And over the course of, uh, the next gosh, probably year and a half, he would have me come in and bring whatever I was working on, whether it was finished or not, and, and give me feedback, give me progress reports and, and became that sort of mentor figure as I was trying to find a voice that worked for me. And, you know, it kind of took me back to, to Mr. Kennison in that, yes, it was about the work and yes, we were discussing art, but we were discussing so many things beyond the art 
that indirectly contribute to it. That also speak to life. Yes. Yes. We're, in a sense, the art, the art is a byproduct of life. Yes. Now, do you find that when, do you find that you worry more about intention when painting than you do when taking photographs? Yes, because I think my photos are, are by and large throwaways. Interesting. I, 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 I'm not that I don't think about them. I do, but the process that I use currently to, to, to paint my, my, my sort of, you know, mixed media process is so long and drawn out that I have a lot more time to think about things. I mean, it can take, you know, days, weeks, or, you know, a couple months to finish a piece because there's so much waiting and drying and layers and waiting and drying and layers. Not and a 60th of a second. No. So I, I think, and, and, and I think with my writing as well, you know, I, I write and rewrite and write and rewrite and write and rewrite and refine and until it's, it's right until I think it's right. Uh, whereas the, the photographs, that's not my main wheelhouse. That's something that I do for me. It's not something that I'm in a position where I have to do it for someone else. And I don't, I don't see that ever happening. I mean, maybe it will, but I don't see it. You know, even the things that like the portraits and things that I've put up, are they good? Are they bad? I don't know. And, and really I don't care because they're not for anyone they're they're exercises for me and yeah, but shouldn't everything be an exercise for you the artist you know that's a god that's a really interesting question um i i need your response yes yeah. right okay ideally right yeah i mean I, people ideally people yeah. ask me you know how the pictures you take for other people how do they differ from the pe- pictures you take for yourself and they really don't yeah, in a, in a perfect world, they shouldn't, should they? I had, I had a shoot on last Thursday. Um, I was shooting some CEO woman for mm-hmm. a magazine. And she was nervous, and we were at her house, and you know we took these pictures, and they were fine. And apparently they came back and said they want to use one for the cover, which is always a nice thing. Did they use the one for the window, against the window? I think, th- I don't know which one they're planning, but... Okay, th- those, all of the ones that you showed me, lovely shots. Thank really you. good. Um but it, those are the same pictures I would have taken of her had I gone there just to take them for myself. You know, mm-hmm. I don't take, I don't separate what I do for, for you and what I do for a magazine or what I do for me. But well, I but, wonder, I wonder if that's what separates good and great photography. How much they, how much they, how much they give to their clients. How, how much of you is in it? You know, I, I, I've used the term painting with someone else's brush. And that's, that's how over the course of this year or so that I was uh, sort of being tutored or mentored by, by Father Bill, he would use that term. If I went in a different direction, he would, he would say, it feel, this one feels like you're painting with someone else's brush. But sometimes don't you need to go push in those directions to find out what yours what your intent actually is. I think sort so. Of, sort of slamming up against the walls, like in an aha video. Uh, yeah, I think so. And, and, and I think that that happens with photography quite a bit. 
where where photographers will and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but they'll light things like Dan Winters would or they'll sure. they'll they'll shoot it like Terry Richardson yeah. or you know, whatever, trying to find You have to do those things in order to learn. Yeah, I think I mean, you, you don't do. have to, but like I think that that is the, one of the great ways you learn is by emulating others. That's a classic thing. Sure. The 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 challenge is one of the challenges. Um, if you get noticed for one thing or another, that's not. You're still trying to find your way to you, but you happen to get noticed, and it breaks that process. It breaks that that cycle of you continuing on, and then you get stuck doing whatever it is that you were noticed for. I see. Yeah, I can see that. You know, instead of instead of continuing on that path, yeah, and saying, you know what, I'm not quite. I thank you, thank you for for the praise, the notice, the the whatever. But I, this isn't really where I want to be. I'm still trying to get there. You know, the, there was there's a there's a guy named David Cordy, who's mm-hmm. a, a painter in L.A. Okay. Who was a friend of a friend of mine. And he had a certain kind of work that sold very well. And he ended up changing out, changing it up and doing something very, very different, which people apparently didn't like as much or didn't sell as well. And his gallerist was sort of pushing him back to do what he was doing before, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, the I, stuff that was selling. Yeah. Okay. Right? Even though he had moved on. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I mean, it's one thing if you are, uh, you know, my, my friend Craig talks about how, Oh, I did this thing for this client four years ago and they want me to do more of that, but I haven't done that four years. I've moved on, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, uh, wood block, cutting or a uh, uh, press what's it called letter press mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. it is and and it's interesting it's like well you know i did something different because i was done saying what i needed to say there and if this is all just about selling more but i'm content not making that money who is my obligation to you know is my obli- do i have an obligation to the gallerist or to my listeners or to my readers or to my print purchasers to do the kind of work that they've seen before and they like, and they want to do. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like does using Craig as an example, does he want to make a career out of making money alphabets? Right. He could, but he's done it. And he's done it. He wants to move on. He wants to. Yeah. Okay. But if his agent says, look, I've got to eat too. And people really want more of this. You should take on these jobs. Does he have an obligation to them? Just to, to say yes. I, I don't know that if it's an obligation, but if you if if that's what's paying your bills, yeah, I, I think as long as you're, I think the value is to keep growing. If you have to do, you know, X Y Z to to make rent, make your bills, right, buy insurance for your children. Right. But if that's taken care of, and it's you know gravy, then yeah, if that's taken care of, then growth is exciting. Growth is is is. Yeah. Fun. I mean, look, we what's, wait, what's the Rauschenberg quote I used last week about like, uh, see, I actually okay. quoted Rauschenberg. Can, can I just point out? Yeah. Bill bought a Fuji and is quoting Rauschenberg. What, what is going on in this world? What's going on? <laughs> where are we headed? Um, <laughs> it was a good, it was a good quote too. Where is it? Wait, wait, wait. It's uh it was a couple of days ago, right? 
Yes. Uh, everybody can be, everyone can be measured in his adaptation to change. Like, uh, like the metal of a man can be, can be measured by how he deals with the fact that things are changing. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's a good quote. Um, and, well, and, and I mean, ultimately this comes down to, I mean, art is art and life is life, but they're connected if you're making art. And if sure they are, if, it's like, if you're spending your whole life living like you're 25, when you're 45, you can do that. But would you have a much greater experience of life if you changed with time? Yes. You know. Well, it, it, our experiences are what define us. Right. And, and, and our experiences are what influence art, hopefully. Right. Partially, and, at least. And, and to the point of our original topic is realizing that you are somewhere in your career or your exploration of your art that you could actually jumpstart or, or be a spark plug for somebody who's just starting out in some way. Is the question, would I, would, would I do that? Yes. Or do you have the obligation I, to do that I, if asked? I don't know that I have the obligation, but I would welcome and jump at the chance because somebody did it for me. That's, and, and, I mean, I guess that's where my obligation question comes in. Somebody um, did it for you, so aren't you supposed to pay it forward? I, I don't think it's, it comes out of an obligation. It comes out of, I, I, I love what it did for me, and I, would, and I would love to pass that along. You know, look, my, my career, if, if, if whatever my career is, is based on, on one thing and one thing only, and that is sharing work that inspires me. Right. There is no me in my career in, in that sense. I'm not it's true. There's no anything. me in career. That's right. Uh, you know, the stuff that I do, the, the, the artwork, the, the, the photographs, whatever, I do all that for me. That's not my career. My career is celebrating the work that moves and inspires me. Right. That's, that's all faded and blurred is, is, is I saw this and it was amazing or it was inspiring, or it was beautiful, or it was sublime, and I want to show it to you. In some ways, your career is less about being the. You're gonna. I. I. I don't intend to offend you. No, go ahead. Your career is becoming Mickey, not Rocky. Yes. Yeah. That. No. That's a great way to do it. That's. A, yeah. 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 And in some ways. The, the difference between a singular mentor and a community mm-hmm. is the difference between like having a crowd of people cheering you on or having that one coach. Sure. And I don't know that community, especially the way the internet does it can replace singular people being mentors. You know, I, I don't think it can, but I think if it's done well and not to, toot our own horn but i think the 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 g plus community for the show and uh, is done not that we did anything but it's a great example of a supportive welcoming right. constructive but if community. it was 10 times its size would it still have that personal feel i i number one i don't think it will be 10 times its size but but you know we'll see uh number two i think that the people that are part of that community and are listening to this show um, are looking for something beyond 
DP review or Fred Miranda or, you know, whatever. Sure. I think it, not necessarily better or worse. I'm not, I'm no, not it's a very different thing than those. Yeah. I'm not ascribing, you know, value to it in that way, but it feels different. This group, it feels different. There are people here posting for the first time that have then gone on to say, wow, that's not what I expected. That response was not what I expected. Good or there, bad. Yeah. The reactions from people. No, mostly, I mean, I haven't read a bad response really. Um, and I think this is becoming a valuable resource to people in, in this, this, you know, post-internet world. Age, age, world. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I was talking about this with some friends the other day that, that I have so many, and I'm going to call them friends, that – I've never met face to face. I talk to them on the phone. I, I, inter, you know, I email them. I, I, I interact with them. Yeah. And I think I am of the first. I, I'm of the first generation that does that. That that's that's become a norm too. I mean, kids that that are that are you know in high school or junior high or whatever now this is no big deal to them. I'm the first generation that it was kind of strange, but, but I'm kind of going with it. If that makes any sense. Okay. Um, and a lot of these people, I would call my friends, you know, I, and I, I, if they came here, they'd have a place to stay. If I went there, I'd probably have a place to stay. No one's letting you in. (laughs) First of all, most of these people's houses are not handicap accessible. That's right. You can come in, but the walkers got to stay on the porch, you know, and I, and I, I'm so, thankful for that or or you know people whose work that i've admired and i've had the chance to interview that now if they see me online or or if they are thinking about something they'll they'll ring up and say hey and and that just kind of blows me away that that happens um and i think that is still all a part of of our discussion it's a part of community it's a part of mentorship it's a part of of having creatively having someone's back and letting them know good job, bad job, need help here, you know, whatever, yeah. but doing it in a way that, that propels them forward. I agree. So anyway, rant. Hey, over. as, as, as a, a side effect of this conversation, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have a job on, well, I guess it's tomorrow uh, where I have to take these pictures for this company that has offices somewhere else. And I've sort of matched the look of these other pictures that are already on their site. And um, I was trying to just figure out how long of a lens the guy was using to do them. Cause they're a longer lens and I'm a bad judge at a certain point of how long is long enough. So that it'll match, you know? Um, and I pulled them down and I, and I opened them up and all the metadata is stripped out of them. Right. Like all of the camera, oh, all, the, all the exif. Yeah. Okay. All the exif okay. data. And I was thinking, you know what? Why doesn't everyone leave that in? <laughs> like the, the fact that I find out that you're using a 70 to 200 at a hundred millimeters, like how is that at all proprietary information or why do we think that that, sh- and you made the point of like, maybe that uh save for web or export on Lightroom may default to stripping it out. I, th- I think save for web and Photoshop uh, listeners, maybe 
verify or I'll try some yeah, tests. Yeah, I'm sure after, you can I, have it strip it out. I wonder if that's the default. I don't even notice. I don't know. Um, but it's funny that 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 we that that is a thing. I mean, I could understand removing the location, you know, if there's GPS right. data or something like that. But you know, the finding out what camera it was taken on and what lens, it's like that that is a really great way for people to learn how things look. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you go look and you go, oh, that was taken with a 28. Oh, I, I see. That's I like that distortion in that picture, that field of view. I want to get myself a 28 so I can take pictures like that. It's it's kind of one of the potential unsung benefits of digital, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how often do people look at digital pictures and do that? And it's like, well, you can't do that with with film. Right. You know, you don't get that information. Right. Um, yeah, I could see that. And uh, and you can you yourself can go back and say, you know, I've done shoots where I've taken pictures with, say, the 35, the 50 and the 85. And I'll just be flipping through the pictures and I'll be like, oh, I really like this one, this one and this one. I'll go look and they're all the 35 or whatever. And I'll be like, huh. I never thought about it that way, but apparently my eye prefers that look. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was mm-hmm. kind of interesting. I, it, it taught me something about my own work. Um, and, and I think that, I think that in general, uh, we should all leave our, our metadata. And I guess that's what I'm saying. That's what you're getting down to. I don't know. I just think, I think it's a way for community to teach each other. You know, I think, I think a lot of photography, at least the way that I see photography and I have practiced photography is, is teaching yourself is trying things and figuring out what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a great proponent of that as far as everything's concerned, you know, doing, uh, computer programming, uh, uh, building hackintoshes, taking pictures, you know, design, you know, just keep moving stuff around until stuff starts clicking and then you can figure out why it clicked. Um, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so in some ways I feel like, uh, that kind of information allows the community to teach itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, cause if you're out somewhere where there aren't a lot of photography teachers or classes or whatever, I mean, I guess you can, you know, buy videos and, 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 and watch YouTube stuff. Um, there is no shortage now of whatever technique you want to learn. Yeah. Somebody out there is teaching it. I feel like there's too many people doing that stuff. I, I don't. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think there are very few people doing it well, but yes, I feel like there are a lot of people. It's like how doing many it. people do we need to teach us how to use a speed light and an umbrella? Like, you know what? J- just Carl Taylor. Apparently just Carol, Carl Taylor. <laughs> that is all you need. You know what I'm saying though? Like it's like some of them are got to be better than others. Yes. Let's, let's call this down and go all Khan, Acad- Khan Academy on their ass. Uh, yes. There are a lot of things out there. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of misinformation yes. out there. Yeah. Just, it's just plain wrong. Yeah. A lot of people who don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Always a bad idea to, when you find people who don't know what they're talking about. You know, uh, it's funny actually i was talking to carl taylor the other day and he said that one of the great benchmarks if somebody is is selling a dvd or a workshop he says go look at their personal work yeah before you buy it do you like the work that they are making themselves yes go look at their personal work and if it's crap then guess what yeah you don't want to learn what they're doing right 
but if it's if it's if it's good, if it's varied, if it's interesting, if it's challenging, if it's if it's uh, you know inspiring to you, then chances are the work that they are going to try and teach you will 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 have that same quality. That is so a, it's, it's good advice. Interesting interesting concept. Yes. Carl what do you Taylor. got? What's next? Uh, I guess uh, well, Paul Crichton sent us a voicemail. Uh, do we have any way to play those yet? Well, I could certainly put a marker in and, and add it in. Do you want me to play the whole thing in the show? No, I was just curious. Like that, his his was pretty long, but I was just curious if we had like a soundboard kind of thing where we could just you know. Uh, I'm sure I could make something work if we really needed to. Yeah. But he was telling us that uh, Ed Bertinsky, who was our photographer of the week last week, is up in uh, Toronto and apparently has his office not far from where I went a couple weeks ago to the uh, the LG's offices <laughs> the lg yeah That's, he's he's the he's the lieutenant gangster yeah yeah cue, <laughs> cue up some ice cube music um yeah anyway so uh but that he's a really nice guy and he goes and spends a whole lot of time apparently um casing his locations Bertinsky. yeah yeah and he made a comment that that he disagreed with me in that he doesn't think it looks like anybody could take those pictures. And I'm not saying that anybody could take those pictures or I may have said that, but that's not what I meant. Let me rephrase. I, I think that if you showed those photographs to my mother, I don't know that my mother would get it or see the difference between that and a picture anybody took of, you know, an empty construction lot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know that they are um, accessible to less art aware people. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I, I do. I do. I mean, you disagree. I, I don't disagree. I think that that I think they're, they're lovely. You know, I think they're fantastic. I think that that some art is more accessible than yeah. others. Is that easily. a matter of is that a matter of telling people or teaching people? I don't know. There there's some art. There's some modern art that I just I don't get. And performance art most performance art is lost on me. It goes back to what, uh, what was the thing last week? Toddler or, or 20th yeah, yeah. century master. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There a lot of, a lot of, I just don't get it. Yeah. You know, and I try and I sit and look at it and I, you know, even after some of it, and I'm not going to mention anything, but even after it's explained to me, often my response is something like, huh? You know, yeah. and that, and that's the extent of it. Wait, this is the guy who likes Rauschenberg? Yeah. Well, hey, hey, uh, hey. See what I did there? Get, 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 you just <laughs> back off Rauschenberg, Mike Mr. Tyson punch out just happened right. right there. You you can bag on Cy Twombly, but you better leave Rauschenberg alone. Uh, Actually, no, Cy Twombly's amazing too. It is nice, though, that we have listeners who know more than we do about these people. So thank oh you very much, Paul, for writing So many in. know yeah. more than – yeah. And uh, we got a couple of projects going on in the in the Google Plus group that you wanted to highlight? There's, there are yeah, there are a lot of interesting projects going on. Um, uh, wh wh who's the 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 opera project? Uh, opera Jocko? Or, or Jocko? Jocko's got a lot of A's in his names. Yes, I like that. That's yes. cool. Uh, but apparently, he's he's just finished this project, a year long project, shooting uh, musicians in his native Finland. Right. Uh, website P A A R. V-A-L-A dot F-I. Yeah, and they're, they're really good. 
they're, they're great. Really, yeah, some of them are really delightful. Good. Yeah. Uh, so we we like seeing when people are doing projects and uh, and sharing them with others. Yeah. Uh, who like. else? Uh, John is finishing up a 2020 20 project. Twenty weddings, twenty portraits, all shot with a 20 millimeter lens. That is fantastic. That's I, I, I love that that. I'm going to give myself these parameters and barriers and see what I come up with. That is fantastic. 20 millimeters. That's pretty wide. That's wide. Uh, so, John, post them. Let's, let's see. We want to see them. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, oh, wait. Where did Robert yell at me on the Google Plus group? Oh, yeah, Robert. Uh, yeah, Robert Boyer called Bill out for, uh, for, for bashing film. It's under show topics. Okay. If you want to go give that a. Did he say lots of mean things about me? I don't think they were mean things. Okay. No, but, but y- you know, you, let me, let me clarify my position. You, you have some opinions on film and not many of them come off as good. Okay. You said that before the show, when we were talking about the show notes and, and yeah, I think that what it is, is look, I shoot film. I like film. Um, m- my problem is that most people who shoot film talk about film like it's the God's gift to everything. You know, that, that it is that it's not just, I like shooting film. It's film is better in all of these ways that are completely unsupportable. You know, um, you, okay. if, if you like shooting film, more power to you in much the same way that you made a comment about, um, the, this guy who shot an iPhone, right? Is that further down in the, in the, sh- in the show notes here? It's further down, okay. but you can talk about okay. it. Na- you, some you, National you, Geographic guy walked the you, Scottish Highlands and... You, you bash the iPhone. I do the same thing on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which he shot, he shot 4,000 photos in the Scottish Highlands with his new iPhone 5S. Um, and he said, with intense use, I've made about 4,000 pictures in the last four days. I've discovered that the iPhone 5S is a very capable camera. The color and exposures are amazingly good. HDR exposure feature does some stunningly good job in tough situations. And the panorama feature is nothing short of amazing. Seeing a panorama sweep across the screen in real time is is just intoxicating. Okay, you you read that with such contempt, though. I do. Do, do you do you do you do that? Inten- do you hear that? I was doing it intentionally. For okay, this. good. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, in much the same way, like if somebody wants to use an iPhone five and they get great pictures out of it, whatever, great. Just say, I like using an iPhone five. Don't try to explain to me why it's better than every other camera, because none of those things really matter. I, I don't think, know that people do say that it's better than any other camera. Well, no, but I, I think what does happen. Don't try to explain is, to me why you use it, because just use it. Show me the pictures. Don't tell me that it's taken with an iPhone. The minute you say that it was taken with an iPhone, it's like you have something to prove, you know? It's like this guy ran this thing mile in five minutes. Oh, Andy's handicapped. It's like, well, you know, why can't the thing just stand on its own that he ran it in five minutes? You know, like, I, I, feel, I think I feel like it's an excuse. Uh, OK, uh, I think what what some of the issue is, is, is you are sometimes quick to. When you find out that it's film or find out that it's an iPhone, quick to cast it off as less than a 40 megapixel medium format Hasselblad. No, 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 no. That's not my intention at all. Okay. But my intention, there is definitely a certain, a certain level of, um, uh, look, there, there are different tools for different things. You know, I bought this Fuji because I didn't want to carry a 5d with big lenses to Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, 
are the pictures that come out of this as good as the ones that come out of my fed? Well, I've only played with it for a day. I don't know, but you know, they're, they're great. They're fine. You know, there are deficiencies in them. Um, do I shoot? I want this camera so that I can have a walk around camera that feels like my Leica, but I don't have to shoot film. Cause you know what? Film is a real pain in the neck. I want to take pictures. I don't want to spend hours scanning. You know, right. Uh, I want to take pictures. I don't want to be frustrated by the fact that my iPhone won't let me focus on the thing I want to focus on and get exposure. And, you know, you just see what I'm saying? Sure. Um, it won't let me change the shot. Just let me do an exposure conversation. I want this whole thing like it is just two stops down or whatever it is. And you're fighting with the camera, the fighting with the tool as much as you are taking pictures. Okay. I want tools that disappear. And I don't feel I feel like. In my experience, I you know take pictures with my phone all the time. I think it's fine, um, but but I would never say that it's the ideal camera, other than the fact that I happen to have it with me all the time. Right. You know, um, I would never say that film is 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 so much. It's is it great? Sure, it's great. You know, it's also a real pain in the neck. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the people who who. It's a lot of people just sound like like film apologists all the time or iPhone apologists like they're like they're trying to make a case for something that it's like you don't need to make the case just take the pictures and move on you know I don't care that it was taken on film or that it was taken on it feels like everyone who constantly talks about how it's film or it's uh uh or iPhone or even it's medium format feels like they have to it's like they're trying to justify this decision that they've made, you know? Okay. Okay. And it's like, I just, you know, yes, I use a Canon camera, but I don't talk about, I mean, I do on this show cause you people have listened to us talk for 400 hours, <laughs> but your average person looking at my website, you know, yeah, my blog, I think somewhere deep down in a deep link, I say what I use, but like, I'm not advertising and saying Canon is the best way to take my pictures. Right. It's just the okay. tool that I use and I don't talk about it. You know, I don't talk about it cause it has nothing to do with the pictures. I feel people who talk about like he took 4,000 pictures with the iPhone 5s that feels like a, a, that feels like link bait to me. It feels like something that F stoppers and all the rest of them will put up as an article because they know people are going to click on it. Cause it's, you know, it's a good story. It's not a good story. Who cares what he took it with? How are the pictures? Show me the pictures, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so when I bash film, like I did last week on the whole thing about Kodak, right? Movie film. It's because the the reasons that they brought up were BS and stupid. You know, if you if you like film and you like the way it handles and you like the process, great, more power to you. But 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 like to say that it's better because of all the things, come on, like don't don't go out of your way. Yeah, is that, you, is that what you're saying? Yeah, you sound like an idiot. You sound like you're trying to justify what you realize is 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 a strange position to right. take. You know, or or in an untenable position. No, but you know. I, I really like riding a motorcycle in the rain because I like, you know, it's like, no, riding a motorcycle in the rain sucks because right. you get wet and, you know, and right. anybody, any real motorcyclist would say, no, it sucks, you know? Okay. Um, so I guess that's what I'm saying. Do I overcompensate sometimes? Yes, because I feel like somebody needs to stand up on the other side of, you know, someone needs to, to be the devil's advocate. Sure. About all that kind of talk. All right. So that's, I'm hey, right now I'm staring at a, a roll of, what is this? This is a uh, Tri-X. Where the hell did this come from? I wonder what's Tri-X. on this. Tri-X is good stuff. It is good stuff. I got to play with these Green. film emulation things on the Fuji. 
Uh, they are, I, I'm assuming they're the same. Um, yeah, cause I want to shoot this thing more. I, I'm actually thinking of just shooting JPEGs in it. The black and white is lovely. Yeah. Uh, the, there's one called uh, neg H. Okay. That's really, really nice for color. It just kind of pulls down the, the saturation a little bit. And, uh, and then I, I, uh, pull down the sharpness and pull down the noise reduction. Oh, by the way, as a answer to our question that we had yesterday, you can set a minimum shutter speed in the auto ISO on this camera. Ah, see, you can't do it on the X pro. Really? Nope. See that that's an odd omission to me. It's a very odd omission, but I am looking at, uh, a new camera <gasps> later. Hey, should we, uh, should we take a break now? I think we should take a break. You think so? I think so. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about my website. No, I don't want to talk about my website. You have a great website. It's well, it's, well, let me ask you, let me just ask you a question. Yeah. When you decided to build your website, where did you build it? I used, I used Squarespace. Uh huh. And not honestly, not just because they, they support the show and we're thankful for that. The design or the, the, the layout or whatever, the customization Mm -hmm. took about 45 minutes. Really? And that was because I couldn't decide on fonts. Um, the rest of it's so easy. That's I mean, it's because just, I couldn't decide on fonts. That's such a Jeffrey <laughs> statement. <laughs> it's because I could not decide on the typography. <laughs> but I mean, it took longer to decide what content to put on the site than it did to build customized. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you've listened to this before, you, you know, uh, it's drag and drop. It's, it's, it's ridiculously easy. Yeah. To make an amazing looking site. You know, they're, and, they're, they're constantly adding new features, new designs. I like that blog uh, that they have where they talk about new features every once in a while. They put up a post when they add something. Yes. It's pretty cool. Um, they added a thing recently where they'll pull the title and uh, metadata out of an image and use it for the image's metadata for the right. title and stuff. Like that's really handy. So if you've, if you've put a title in the metadata in Lightroom or whatever – you export it out with the title, Squarespace will say, oh, that's the title. You don't have to go in there and manually type in the names of all the pictures. Right. That's huge. Right. It's, it's uh, hopefully going to give you a little SEO boost, though <laughs> not on Google after their recent changes. Uh, don't go there. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, but again, you, have, you used some beautiful design you started with. You styled it up with your typography that took you forever <laughs> to choose. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's, it's Hudson, by the way, any, okay. any, any of the, any of you, and you created a unique website for your business. Look, Squarespace has over 20 highly customizable templates for you to choose from. They keep adding more. Yes. You know, when we, when they started what is now called just Squarespace, but it was Squarespace six when they started, I think there were like seven mm-hmm. and now there's 20. They keep adding more. They won numerous design awards from prestigious institutions, the awards, the FWA, the Webbies, Forbes. You know, um, somebody was saying on some other show I was listening to yesterday that uh, some guy they know built a website on uh, Squarespace and ended up winning a design award somewhere that he didn't realize. What? Yep. Just based upon one of the stock designs. That's pretty Um, funny. Easy to use as Jeffrey. Look, even Jeffrey could build a site on there. Uh, Wait, there's a new one. Wait, is is this new? What is it? Forte? Is I don't that know that one. Is it nice? Yeah. Okay. Squarespace has an amazing support team. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can chat with somebody online and they are great. They are knowledgeable. They have 70 Squarespace employees that are a customer care team. They even won 
uh, an award, a wow. gold Stevie award for support in their code named the Care Bear Layer. Nice. That like layer is in like yeah. you know place where people hide. Um, every design automatically includes mobile experience. It's, it's, it's responsive down to mobile stuff. So it looks great everywhere, every time. Uh, as far as sticking up your pictures, drag and drop them in and it just works. A lot of the templates are full bleed. So you can see the images all the way across Th- this brand new one, this Forte. It, it, okay. I see. I was right. It is so new. There aren't any customer examples yet. They, they literally just put this thing up. You, how do you find these things? Cause I go look, <laughs> you know what? I do. I go look at their stuff. What, I don't need do your you attitude. What do you want from me? Forte, uh, huh? Forte. Yeah, this is nice. Wait, wow. Where is it? I got to find it. Go look at it. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. Hold on. Uh, all right. So wait, where was I? Uh, it, it, I like these gallery oh, blocks. Nice. So even in blog posts, you can put blocks of images, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and you can, of course, go through and change all your fonts, color, sizes, whatever. Uh, go start a trial. Uh, no credit card required. You can start building your website. You go... And uh, you give them an email address and, 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 a, and a password, and you can log in and play with the site for two weeks, no questions asked. Import all your stuff from, from another service, try it out, see if it works for you. When you decide to order, make use of the offer code to get 10% off. The offer code for October is, it is Halloween month, people, ghost photo. Ooh. So check out Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Yeah. Thank you very much to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and on taking pictures. Whoever came up with the whole block system. Oh, I thought you were going to say whoever came up with ghost photo. No, uh, the the block thing. <laughs> I, whoever that is, I want to buy them a beer. Oh, wow. Forte is really nice. Isn't it slick? Holy cow. Yeah. Super nice. Uh, yeah. All of these blocks, I, you know, when I, when, when I was putting up like the, uh, the shows for like testimonials and, and, and some of the select conversations, you just click the audio block. You can either upload the MP3 or you can just provide a, a, a URL and the player just boom, it's there. The, repl- the player's responsive, the whole thing. Genius. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it really is. Totally cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Squarespace is great. You know what somebody has to do uh, is in Lightroom, right? You can export and save it within constraints, right? What do you mean? Like, like you could the, say make it a thousand fit within a thousand by a thousand. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there a way to have it so that it will mat portrait things in a landscape field? I don't know. You see what I'm trying to say? Yes. So like in a lot of these Squarespace sites... The full bleed ones, if you put a portrait thing in there, it's cutting off the top and the bottom to get it to fit the whole width. Yes. And that's no bueno. You have to almost have it. I want it to go full height, but be over to the right or over to the left or in the center. Right. With a solid color behind it if it's portrait and not landscape. You know? I, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if that's a feature they could... Could you do that in... in I guess you could do enough JavaScript to realize whether it's portrait or not, and in that case, not... See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's got to be, because it's like, I like a lot of those full bleed things, but so many of my pictures are portrait that it doesn't work. I right. would need to manually stick them on a field of white to have them two by three to fit or whatever. Right. And that's, that would be a kind of a cool plugin. Yeah. You know what else would be a cool plugin? What? Contact sheet. In Lightroom? In Lightroom. I want, I want to plug I use, in. I use the print feature for that. Nah, no, no, no. I want it to look like a contact sheet. And, With the holes and, and everything? Well, yeah, the sprocket, but, but more importantly, 
if if you like your selects, yeah. Like if it's five star, I I want it to be like Circled. like a red yeah red grease pencil. If it's three star, maybe it's yellow grease pencil. Oh, somebody if, could make that now. I I would like to work with if if somebody's got the skills to do it. I'd love to work with you on the design of it. Yeah, so, well, how much you can do in a Lightroom, like how that whole API works. I don't know, but if somebody's got the skills for it and they're interested, hit me up and and let's let's see if we can collaborate and make that happen because I think it would be really cool. Okay, uh, and, it, and it doesn't it doesn't like even like ideally your your one stars or or if it's a zero star, yeah, it's it's got like a red X, like a grease pencil X through it, so it's still there. We can still see it because here's the thing: I I I want to see photographers working through an image. This is what's so wonderful about the Magnum Contact Sheets book is you can see photographers yeah. zeroing in on what's interesting to them, zeroing in, working through. It's also and- interesting looking at some of those things, how you realized um, you realize when you look at those pictures that that a lot of photographers back in the day used a roll of, say, 120 or, or you know, like 35 millimeter film. So 36 pictures or 12 pictures or whatever. They use that to take one picture. Yes. Ultimately. Yeah. There were all these sketch images. That, that it's like that, snap, 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 snap. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm honing in on what it is that I'm actually yes. going for. And we don't get to see that. All we get to see now with, with digital is your best shot. We don't get to see you working through it. Yeah. So, But you anybody didn't see there, that back in the day either. The, the, the idea that, you know, back in the day you didn't see the... the, the no, but you see it now after right. the fact. So anybody out there that, that can, can help make that happen, uh, hit me up on Twitter or, or podcast it on taking pictures and, and let's see if we can make that happen. Uh, I think that's that would idea. be pretty cool. Uh, all right. What do we got? Where are we? We, uh, uh I guess oh, we can, what do you want to go to the, the, a lot of the celebrities. Yeah. Making, making pictures. They're making pictures and not, not movies. Some, some are, yeah. Making photographs. Some are good. Uh, some maybe not so good. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you brought up Ben Folds, who is famously sort of a a, a big uh, photography fan for himself. Yeah. So you know he shoots he shoots a lot of film. He's got like a. In fact, one of the one of his albums is a has a speed graphic on the. Is it called Speed Graphic? I don't or know. He has him holding a speed graphic on the cover. Something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that he sees photography as something he does to slow him down to just have something else to do other than music, you know, seems to be. Yeah. He's doing it for himself. It's not a, it's not a commercial venture. For it's, him. it's not a career, right? It's not somebody right. like, like Brian Adams, who's got kind of a second career. Right. As Musician a Brian Adams sort of quit music in some ways and is now a big photographer. Yeah. And I was and saying amazing. to you that, uh, yeah, a number of the pictures in the show up in, in Ontario a couple weeks ago were, were by Brian Adams. Mm-hmm. Apparently he shot a lot of the Canadians, you know, yeah, he's, he's himself. fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then I said, Matthew Modine f- takes pictures on set and has that really great book of him uh, on set on Full Metal Jacket. I haven't seen that. I'll have to take a look. Yeah. Um, and Jeff Bridges, you pointed out, makes books for the cast. When- yeah. See, that's. Oh, that's so cool to me. And and, and, and he uses ahead. like a oh, like a wide lux or something, yeah, doesn't he? Uses a wide lux, which is a weird camera. And it's apparently the only camera that he uses yeah. uh, and has been making these books. He, he hands them out as gifts uh, for cast and crew. Uh, and he's been doing it since Starman. That's really cool. 
It's super cool. You know what that is cool is that it's it, it shows that he has he is mature enough in his art, his mm-hmm. acting, that he realizes that he needs something else to temper it for it to be good. There's going a hundred percent on something, and then there's realizing that what you should really be doing is going ninety percent and ten percent on something else. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no, you know I, what? that's I, a good discussion for another time. Okay. Let's put that on, on the works for next. I'd time. like to talk to Jeff Bridges too. So, uh, yeah. I'm sure somebody must know somebody who knows. You know, Jeff Bridges. I, I reached out to his agent a while back, and this was when he was doing Crazy Heart, and he was doing like five movies back to back to back to back to back. And he just didn't, he didn't, they said he didn't have the time, but, but, uh, he actually went to the site apparently and, and liked what he saw. So that was kind of cool. Ah, uh, Jeff Bridges, you and Jeff Bridges hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, Leonard Nimoy famously, uh, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Now the question is, are these people known because they're good photographers or because they're famous and take pictures? I think there's probably a little of both. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, Brian Adams is, is, is one of the people here who actually does it professionally. Yes. The rest yeah. seem and to do more for that. for, you know, Vogue and, right. and you yeah. know, Harper's. I mean, you, you like these a lot of these Ben Folds pictures, but you said, I, you, I mean, you kind of brought up, look, are, do, are they good because they're Ben Folds or are they good because they're good? Right. What, what's your answer? Uh, I think some of them are good because they're good. I think some are good because you know he ha- you know there's a picture of like William Shatner and his horse is that a good picture not really but right. it's William Shatner yeah um by contrast that waffle house shot is fantastic yes but very um uh, 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 basically a takeoff of a billion pictures that were taken like that back in the sixties. Right. Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, but I think, I think there, this is a nice blend of, of look, I'm on tour on Ben folds with here's some really good stuff mixed in. Yep. Yeah. Um, would you buy a Ben folds print? I'd buy that waffle house print. He, he, uh, he actually do, uh, does them in the, uh, in the, uh, dark room. He prints See, them now that's really cool. Right. So, yeah, Ben, you know, because Ben listens to the show, of course. Yeah, sure. <laughs> On who, tour. Who doesn't? Yeah. So, Ben, hook me up with a print of that Waffle House shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, but again, he's also on Instagram. Yeah. So, you know, he's doing, he's doing it all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. He's only got a thousand followers on Instagram. You'd think he'd have more. I like that door shot. Door to nowhere, Savannah. That's kind of neat too. The door to nowhere. Really? I'm sorry. Was was that a little was that a little Talking Heads reference? Yeah, it is because I'm I'm foreshadowing a, an article later in the show. Is this the David Byrne? New York has changed since the '70s. Yeah. What article? do you think of that? Uh, I I think he's got several points that it's New York is becoming clean and homogenized and losing some of its edge. Not living there, I'm looking at it as an outsider, and yeah. I think your opinion is probably a little closer to uh, yeah. accurate. Being I think a, a he's, I think a lot of his argument is that it's become so expensive to live here that you can't live here to just be an artist. Well, what, what was the, there was a I don't know if you caught it in the the Chris Columbus interview with Alec Baldwin. He talked about you know I I live in New York. I get my own dry cleaning. I go to the corner store and buy a carton of orange juice yeah. for forty dollars. No one knows who he is. 
Yeah, but did but, he say forty dollars? Yeah, he said I buy a carton of orange juice for forty dollars. All right, it's not that much to buy a carton no, of orange juice. No, but but the the, the implication was. It is really expensive to live well, in. Well, sure. Yeah, I, I listened to this this uh, video show called That Post Show. It's like okay. a nerdy talking about like high-end video cameras and film production. Mm-hmm. And the guy who is on it, this guy, Kanan, I think his name is, um, lived in San Francisco for a while, but it moved to Portland. He's just like, you know, in San Francisco, like a 450, 500 square foot studio apartment is like $1,500. And the other guy on the show was like, oh, my God. And I was like, that sounds kind of cheap. <laughs> Could you actually find a studio apartment in San Francisco for $1,500? I'd be surprised, you know. Yeah. Um, where for other people, that's mind-numbingly expensive. For me, that sounds cheap. So, yes, it's expensive to live in New York. For, um, yeah. For me, that sounds really expensive. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, for where I live, that's, I mean – yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's just it's kind of funny that, you know, that has happened. I think that David Byrne's argument had a lot has a lot to do with the fact that um some of the political decisions made in New York City have made it so that it it, it benefits the people who have money, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that therefore it pushes out people who don't have money. You know, um uh, a friend of mine bought a house not far from here, which is a nice house. Uh, like 25 years ago, 30 years ago. And it's a nice house in what is now a really nice area. And you would say, oh, well, you know, like, look, he, he could buy a house back then. But then you talk to him and it was a really sh- sh- like place you didn't want to live, burnt out cars, whatever, back when he bought it 30 years right. ago, you know. Um, well, the same could be said of, of Jay Maisel's uh, sure, exactly. gigantic, yep. Yep. you know, same, ex- same exact thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that the places now that are cheap and are bombed out and whatever it is are getting further and further and further out of town to the point where if you want to go into Manhattan, you're now an hour on the train. So why are you bother even living in New York, quote unquote, anyway, mm-hmm. if it takes you an hour to get to Man- Midtown, you know? Right. Um, so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting argument. I, I last week um, I went to see a, a music show, uh, some some of those. Paul Taylor friends of mine were, were doing it. They're in a rock band and I went to see them. And, uh, another woman who was there was a Taylor dancer from the sixties. So this mm. older woman. And, uh, she was telling us how she used to live right around the corner on uh, canal and Houston. And she lived like a, around the corner and that her rent was $70 a month. And that she used to st- for a big loft space. Yeah. Well, this is kind of like the, the, the Rauschenberg discussion. Yep. Yeah, right. You know? And that they used to steal their phone service by alligator clipping onto other people's lines. Nice. You know, like that kind of crazy stuff. Huh. Um, that just doesn't happen anymore. You know, there's there's nowhere that you, can, you can't get loft space that you can live and work in in New York City for less than $4,000 a month. You right. Know, you just, it just doesn't happen. You know, one of the and things even that, then it's not a big loft, you know? Yeah. One of the things that Burns says in this article, he says the city doesn't make things anymore. Creativity of all kinds is the resource we have to draw on as a city and a country in order to survive. I don't know that I agree with that because it seems like, I mean, if, if, you know, friend of the show, Randy Duchesne's recent, uh, uh, show, illustrates there's all kinds of things being made. I mean, it, it, you know, there, there is, and there are, but a lot of the people that Randy shot were either, 
uh, older people who had been around for a long time mm-hmm. or people who, for whatever reason, oh, they were in finance and then they ret- they left that to go start some bespoke coffee company or something. But you know? isn't, isn't Brooklyn? I mean, yes. it seems like the perception is, is there are a ton of creativity happening in Brooklyn. Um, there is, but a lot of it is subsidized by, I don't know, parents. Huh. You know what I mean? Like, okay. uh, you know, you understand what I'm trying to say? Um, that, that I think a lot of it isn't, there aren't that many people just doing art for art's sake. Um, you can't just live here, scrape together a couple hundred dollars, have enough to live and go paint. Okay. You know, you're working mm-hmm. full time at a coffee shop so that you can paint. You know what okay. I mean? You mm-hmm. can't be an artist here on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and and I I understand what he's saying and the, and and our our export in New York City has lar- has for a while become this finance industry which is I think poisonous to the city because it's just all about moving money around. Right. We're not actually doing anything. You're just moving money around. And no offense to the people who were listening who were in the finance industry, but I think come on. You you know, the 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 money these people make has like quadrupled in the last 20 years where everyone else's wages have gone down. Why? Why should you get mm. t- four times as much, you know? Uh it's it feels like they're both making the rules and reaping the benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so I think he's right in that. Of course, he's rich enough to where he can live wherever he wants, probably. You know? Yes, but is there something is there something to that in and of itself? Is, is the fact that he's part of the 1% and he's sort of calling out his friends and and colleagues, is there something to that? Yeah, or but is he's it, also is, not making a stand and saying, I'm going to stay here and fight for it. He's saying, if you guys okay. don't help me, I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting. And, you know, just to, to round this out, there's a there, the there's a mayoral election coming up. Mm-hmm. And the 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 great favorite is this is this guy uh, named de Blasio, who is uh, pretty far to the left. And we've had Rudy Giuliani for eight years or six years or actually wait, 10 years, so whatever it is, 12 years, something like that. Giuliani was in for a long time. Bloomberg has been in for three terms, you know, um, I guess it's you, th- four years you think term. this new guy's got a shot. This new guy is up by like 40 points in the polls. Is he really? Yeah, he's, he's huge. And he lives, well, he lives on my block. He lives around the corner. Does he really? Yeah, he's like literally around the corner from me. Huh. Um, so so the, if this guy comes in who is currently the public advocate, I think, for New York, mm-hmm. so he's pretty far to the left. He wants to do things like try to find ways to make housing cheaper for people who can't afford housing. You know what I mean? And that kind of stuff. The horror. <laughs> well, and, and raise taxes on the super rich and do right. that kind of stuff. You know, so if those kinds of changes are made, uh, could it could New York shift and pivot and become a more vibrant? It, it's still the advertising, publishing uh, capitals of, of the of the country, certainly maybe even the world. It's all of those things still, mm-hmm. um, but does it still have? Does it is 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 are there still coals burning from underneath? Right, right. And there needs to be in order for it to be here another twenty years. You know, mm. um, it's interesting. Anyway, I'll yeah. put I'll put that link in the show notes because I think it's an interesting read. Um, uh, yeah. 
Uh, plus, you know, when David Byrne says something, people listen. Hey, he is uh, a talking head after all. What do you What do you think about these pictures, Eleanor uh, Carucci? Wait, do we have time for that? Sure, or do you want do. to do the Gatsby thing? We, we We have time for both. Okay. Uh, somebody sent this in. Somebody sent this into me on uh, a guy named Rich, I think, sent it into me on Twitter, and said, uh, "Is this evocative art or crappy family snaps surrounded by fluffy words?" Uh, I would lean toward the latter. I'm going to, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Her name is Eleanor Carucci. She's supposedly a very well-known photographer, uh, had a Guggen, won a Guggenheim fellowship in 2002 for this, for this project called diary of a, of a dancer. Um, they they feel to me like they're saying, look, these are important. These are important. You know, these are important, right? You see why these are important. They're important. Why is that not true of Sally Mann's work? Um, I don't know. It's a feeling, you know, it's, it's, we, we've talked about this a number of times, you know, it when you see it and I, I look at these and I just, I'm not feeling it at all. See, it's funny. I actually like them and hmm. I don't normally like this kind of stuff. Um, I like the one in the bathtub. Now I, I, I like the diary of a dancer much more than I like mother. Interesting, because I didn't like those. See, this is this is this is why art is interesting because it's you know, and I can't tell you why. Right? Should you have to tell me why? I don't think I should. I, I think I think a lot of a lot of. Uh, well, it's you know it, it kind of gets back to. Look at us going full circle. It kind of gets back to your film slash iPhone rant I, I shouldn't have to tell you why i do or don't like it i just don't like it yeah and if i can't articulate it that's it you know it's it's sort of the uh the exercise you know i don't know if your therapist has done this with you but it's you go in you chocolate or vanilla choose and and you choose and why and you you have this well i chocolate is so much better and chocolate no 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 chocolate or vanilla choose and you choose again chocolate why well, and the end result is the answer is because I choose chocolate. Right. Because I like cho- – yeah, because I want chocolate. Yeah, and that's it. It's, it's because I don't like it. It doesn't click with me or it right. does click with me or whatever. You don't have to justify every decision you make. No, and, and in the end, if you, if you feel that you do, it can sometimes end up sounding really superfluous and yucky. I will tell you that I think these are stronger pictures than remember that whole thing. I had the rant about the girl who did the uh, black and white photographs of the, of the, of the, um, what's it called? The, the, um, eh, chastity belt. Remember that crap that I, Oh, right, 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 right. Like, right. This yeah, is better than that. that. Yeah. You know, um, I, I would like to see prints of these. I wonder if they'd be even better as like larger prints. Mm-hmm. Um, I, look, this is not the kind of photography that I do. And oftentimes I will disagree with this style of photography being the thing that people want to see. Like, is this really, is this really taking art forward? I guess it's taking it somewhere different. Is it better? Is it, you know, is it forward? Does it have to be forward? What does forward mean? You know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffrey leans on the uh, the the family crap family snaps surrounded by fluffy words. I do not say it's evocative art, but I think that it's better than snapshots. I don't know. It depends how many of them are 
real or how many of them are I wonder how many are um staged. Yeah, I don't know. Um yeah, chime in. See what you guys think. Yeah, I'll put I'll put these in the show notes too. Um hey, uh Great Gatsby movie. What's the mm-hmm. guy's name? Baz Luhrmann. There you go. Um did th- th- I found this this is not really a photography based thing, but I think that the people might like it. Uh there's a Vimeo movie which is a which is a FX reel uh, visual effects reel for the movie and they show before and after where yeah. on set stuff with lots of blue screen and green screen hangs hung yeah. all over the place and then show you the final shot. It, it's a, it's technically unbelievable. Brilliant film. These guys are so good at this stuff that, and, and, and sets have been become so much smaller because of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, Oh, you just need this, like, you don't need the whole thing of them walking out on the dock. We just need 30 feet of the dock and everything right. else is green. And we'll put in the, we'll put in the lake. We'll put in the house behind it. We'll put in the moon all later. Yes. I wonder. At Technically what, brilliant. It's amazing. I wonder at what point does it make it difficult to act? Uh, I don't know. It's so I, I dissociated would... that it's like, you feel like you're acting in a, in, in a, in a, in a anechoic chamber. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think it would be difficult. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Baz. Uh, Moulin Rouge is one of my favorite movies, but this movie Gatsby swing and a miss. Yeah. Uh, it looked fantastic. It was, for me, it was kind of all flash, no heart. Okay. I, I, I couldn't connect with the characters. Okay. Not I, even, I, I haven't seen it. Um, but I, you know, I, I didn't, he did, um, Romeo and Juliet, right? The old one. Yes. Ah, oh, God, I couldn't stand that. Um, well, the, not the old, the old one was, was the, the, no. the, the modern-y one. Yeah. The modern yeah. take on. Yeah. On I, I hated that one. Um, interesting. Yeah. But anyway, but, uh, very cool from a technical point of view. Yeah. From a technical standpoint, seeing what's possible when you've got, you know, hundreds of people and hundreds of millions of dollars at your disposal is, is pretty incredible. Uh, and who's our photographer of the week? Uh, Oh, what's, who is this guy? I've never heard of this guy. Street, street guy. I think, um, does he Henry, Henry Carson, Henry Carter. Um, shoot. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this week we're going to do Cartier Bresson because we've never Bresson. done him. And, uh, in, in celebration of the fact that I have a new, like little street camera. Yeah. We'll do Cartier Bresson. Uh, everyone. HCB to his friends. And to us. Yeah. Uh, have you liked Cartier Bresson? Have I liked him like forever? Yeah. Do you, do you like him and, and have you, you know, are you a fan of his work? I really like his work. Um, without all of the. I like his work without hearing so much about him. Okay. You know, it's kind of like the, I don't, I don't want to hear, Oh, he did. And he saw, and he was able, I don't care about any of that. Just show me the photographs. Cause I think the photographs are good enough to stand on their own merit without a whole lot of explanation. Uh, I agree. I think that he is pretty fantastic. Although again, one of those guys that, how much of it is just the fact that he was like, I've seen, uh, I think it was actually Randy Duchesne or somebody like that. Somebody I know well who was at the Magnum headquarters 
and was just flipping through the archives one day mm-hmm. and was looking through, say, Carter Bresson's pictures, and he was just like, most of them were really ordinary. Mm-hmm. You know, there are the 50 pictures by Carter Bresson that everyone knows. Right. But if he shot for 40 years, <laughs> you know, and there's the 50 pictures, okay. Okay, but I don't. You know, I think that I think be careful because you've you've trodden down this road before. I I know. I'm just saying that it's he it's not like his poop didn't stink is all I'm saying that he was not. No photographer is a genius in every shot that they take. Right. Is that fair? Yes. And I think that people put up people like Carter Besson and people new photographers see work like that. Let's say he's one of the first people they see. And they say, I want to take pictures like that. And they go out and they start taking pictures and their pictures don't look like that for a number of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And they say, oh, my pictures suck. It's like, well, you know what? His pictures probably suck too a lot of the time. mm -hmm. You just see the good ones. So there were a lot of things going on. Number one, the world was different. Number two, they dressed different. They looked different. Yeah. The camera was not as ubiquitous with daily life as it as it is now. And he was a rich kid who had a Leica. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the first ones that came out and could just travel around and shoot people, you know, and he was supposedly very good at doing it on the sly. Yes. Um, I I really do. I, I love his work. I mean, even if he were not the sort of poster child for yeah. street photography or whatever. You know, I, you know, what's interesting, though, is the fact that when you see prints of his work, mm-hmm. never bigger than like 11 by 14. Uh, I think they would probably f- end up falling apart. Yeah, but it's just interesting that. that like 11 by 14, that's, you know, you could do that nice with eight megapixels. You know, mm-hmm. the 16 megapixel Fuji thing that I got. By the way, you know, one thing that drives me just as a quick aside about this camera, the one thing that kind of I don't like is everyone's like, oh, it's so silent, so silent, so silent. It is. It's almost too silent. Like there's no tactile feedback when you take a picture. I know mm. you can turn the the sound on so you get a tinny 8-bit sample of a shutter clicking but it's not the same. You know what I mean? Like I one of the things about the Leica is that you can like you can feel it inside. I goes you know, like it's you can feel it in your hand when you press the here button. You go. Like this. Here you go. Yeah. Like that? Yeah. Like that? Which sound do you use? Uh that's just the that's my Fuji. Oh, yours actually makes the sound. See, this one doesn't make the sound. That's yeah. That's the X Pro shutter. Yeah. See, the shutter on this one doesn't sound like anything. Actually, the fake one goes. Yeah, I, I love the sound of the X Pro shutter. To be honest with you, right. it's kind of chunk. I yeah. like that. So I mean, that's one thing that I miss. Anyway. Uh, um, anyway, Carter Brisson, almost everything he shot, like a fifty millimeter lens. A little and, bit and on the ninety, a little bit on a thirty-five, but almost all fifty. Ended up quitting and. Uh, Turning to drawing and painting. Well, he said he always claimed to be a painter, mm-hmm. first and foremost, which is interesting to me. Um, because he was such a fabulous, such a great photographer. Um, I remember hearing a story about him once where he was like walking. There's a famous picture of all these people sort of sitting on these ledges and stuff. I'll have to find it somewhere. And it was taken while he and a friend were walking to lunch one day. And his friend saw the picture later and said, I didn't even realize you stopped to take that picture. Like he took it sort of just as they were walking. No one noticed. He didn't sit there and line it up, you know, perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, But then famously that picture of the spirally stairs with the bike going past, 
he sat there for a while waiting for the right person to go through the frame. Mm -hmm. So both an opportunist and a hunter. I watched uh, a little video profile recently, and I don't remember the fellow's name. Uh, He's a Magnum photographer, and he was talking about Brisson, and he said one of the things that Brisson taught him was to move very, very slowly, to walk very, very slowly. Because when you're walking slowly and you stop to take a photograph, no one notices you. But if you walk quickly and suddenly come to a stop to get a photograph, you're noticed. Interesting. I thought that was an interesting little tip. Uh, I never heard that before. See, he had a very, he had a very strange child. Although famously also, he hated having his picture taken. Hmm. Which is the irony of the whole thing. He's walking around trying to get people to sit for him, but like people took pictures of him and he got all mad. <laughs> I, I could relate to that. I don't like it. We, uh, should, put, we should put that uh, Charlie Rose interview in here. Ian Barry was the photographer, the Magnum shooter's name, by the way. Uh, Englishman. Okay. Ian Barry. Uh, Shooting uh, with the new Lumix GX7, which uh, Gary Yost just got and loves. Everyone loves the uh, the GX7, or some people do. Yeah. I'm going to put this in the show notes, too, is the uh, Carter Bresson interview with Charlie Rose. Okay. I think it's the one where he goes, uh, what do you teach? You teach this? Oh, yeah. He, he like, holds up his finger. Yeah. 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 Um, it's good stuff. There's Charlie. a lot of really good uh, stuff on the web about Carter Bresson interviews with him and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, it's funny. Look at that. Isn't Michael Meinhart one of our listeners? Uh, I don't. Sounds familiar. Is that? Yeah, I think he's in our group. Anyway, he uh, made a comment on this video a year ago just by chance. Look at that. How funny. Yeah, Look at that. The odds. He said, do not watch this even if Bill and Joe. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Come on now. <laughs> Wise guy. Um, but yeah, Cartier song, good stuff. Of course, go see his pictures. You all know it. But yep. uh, go take another look may inspire you. Um, anything else? I think we're good. Okay. Uh, let's uh, tell people how they can get a hold of us. Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Uh, Bill tweets at Bill Wadman. I tweet at Jeffrey Sidoris. You can find Bill's blog, uh, ontakingpictures.com. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no slash or anything, right? Nope. Just, okay. Uh, you can find some, uh, some great photographic inspiration at fadedandblurred.com. And if you'd like to find the show, 5x5.tv slash OTP, that gets you to the root of the show, add a slash 76 to get to the show notes for this week. Excellent. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay. I think I'm good. Uh, so we will see you all next week and yep. uh, have a good one. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. Bye.